2 Peter 3, beginning at verse 11, let's listen to God's holy and infallible word. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters, and this is a little bit humorous coming from Peter, Paul's letters contain some things that are hard to understand which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. I said that was humorous because um, we sometimes find Paul a little bit challenging in places. Well, the Apostle Peter did too, right? So these past few Sundays, if uh, you haven't caught it yet, We've been talking about these three strategic pillars for our church, that we grow more devotional, more relational, and more aspirational, and that connects with the three parts of our mission statement. Um, As Peter talks about Jesus' second coming, he's calling us to be aspirational. He's calling us to aspire toward that day, right? Do such and such as you look forward to the day of the Lord and speed its coming. And since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to do such and such. We aspire toward that day through our prayers and our work. And it just so happens we started this prayer series this morning, and tonight we're focused on how we aspire to that day through our work, based on what Peter says, um, our work. And, 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 and we're a group of people that uh, we value work, right? And, and hard work. And, and we like statements like, God gives the birds their food, but he doesn't throw it into their nests, right? They got to do something. They got to go and pull those worms out, listen on the, on the ground like they do and, and get them. And and we like stuff like this from a famous leader whose grandfather, he says, my grandfather once told me that there are two kinds of people, those who do the work and those who take the credit. He told me to try to be in that first group, those who do the work, since there was a lot less competition there. 
Work is crucial to our lives on this planet. It's critical even to our nation and its economic health, right? We're happy when we receive news about low unemployment rates and when we hear about uh, job creation. Our Christian life also involves work, hard work, challenging work, and our text inspires us to work in and at our Christian life. How we're going to run through these um, verses is first by seeing uh, a unique incentive to aspire to work in our Christian lives, and then we're going to follow that up by looking at two types of work that we're called to be engaged in, according to our verse. First, there's a unique reason to inspire you and me to work in our Christian lives, and it's this. Uh, The Christian view of history means work. We saw this earlier in chapter 3. Peter lays out the biblical view of history and the flow of time and especially the end of time. He speaks of the last days. The Lord's going to come like a thief. The earth as we know it will pass away. And even in our text, we read stuff like that. There's going to be a judgment at the end of time for those who don't know Jesus. And the view of history, and that, that view of history, that there's a purpose, a goal, and an end is not the view that everyone around us is working with. And, and we talked about that just a little bit last time we were in Second Peter. People have this circular view of history. Nothing ever changes. The same thing just keeps coming back around. That's a way of looking at things. Um, We're not really going anywhere, in other words. There's another not a, a way of looking at history and the world that's completely scientific or materialistic that doesn't have God or any sense of spirituality in the picture. And and, and that view tends to go and and say that humankind, um, with science, with our wonderful minds and our collective work and reasoning, things are just going to steadily improve. There are people that that say this. And and eventually, all of society's problems are going to be solved as we, with science, being so clever, bring heaven to earth. Um, And and that might sound crazy to some of us as we look around, and it does to me, but there's one thing in particular, there's probably a number of things that people point to, but one area, there are various areas where we improve as humans, right? If you, uh, you know, I've received uh, chemotherapy and radiation and had a couple brain surgeries, and if you've been receiving health care at all, especially cancer and so forth, you know there are slow but sure and steady improvements that we're making. It's getting better all the time. Um, the, The effects or lack of them from treatments and so forth. There's another um, kind of interesting progress uh, that people talk about. 
So they say, they estimate that in 1820, 82% of the world's population was living in what's called extreme poverty. That's basically living on the equivalent of less than a dollar a day. Since that time, especially since the early 1900s, that number has greatly improved uh, to the extent that in 2015, they figure it's only about 10% of the world that lives in extreme poverty. So improvements in science, uh, improvements like that in the poverty level, an extreme poverty level around the world, uh, people... There are folks that think that of history. We're just going to continue to make great progress in every other area also based on the progress we're making in, a, in some areas. Steady improvement. Onward and upward we go. And yeah, I think there are many, many counterexamples to that as you look around. I'm not sure that we're getting better. And certainly if you look not so much at the outward things, but you look at spiritual things in people's hearts, you know, which is more important, right? There's certainly seems to be increasing uh, depravity and and sin. Um, So I I find that really hard uh, to buy. Others don't even try to make sense of history. They're just like, ah, it's random, basically meaningless, but The Bible says there is an end. Verse 12, it's the day of God. Everything will be destroyed. Evil's going to be judged. Jesus will come and he'll take his children to be with him in eternity in heaven. And, and, And this unique view of history and time is something that the world does not share. Jesus is coming again. And Peter says, this is what we look forward to. The new heaven and earth will come. And in verse 13, it's described as our home. So that's really different than how everybody else thinks. Our home is not here. Ultimately, we are pilgrims passing through. We don't settle in this place permanently. Our home is the home of righteousness, heaven, the new heavens and the new earth. And, and, and what does that mean for our lives now is where Peter is going with all of this. Um, do we contemplate heaven all day in our quiet times so that we're no earthly good? And some Christians over the years and centuries have gone more that direction. Um, Hermits. um, Heaven is our home. So let's just let earth and its people, let it all rot. It's going to burn up anyway, like Peter says. Everything's going to be melted down. Uh, But Peter doesn't go there. We're called in light of Jesus coming to be active here and now. Vigorous purposeful, aspirational. In verse 12, we read about us speeding the coming of the day of the Lord. And, and that's, that's 
that's interesting language that somehow the day of the Lord can come quicker. Um, certainly it's saying that we're somehow a part of its coming, at, at least in this sense that there is something that we are called to do. God has a plan. God is sovereign in his electing love, but he also is calling us to be active in our lives. And in fact, us being active and vigorous and aspirational is part of his plan, that we should work in his kingdom, that we should work toward that day. And there are two things, especially in these verses, uh, that we're called to be busy working in and at in the light of the second coming. First, we work on our, our walk with God. Verse 11, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward. And verse 14, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. So Jesus' second coming doesn't make us listless, doesn't make us useless, it doesn't make us uh, lay around just waiting for the day for Jesus to take us home. We have work to do, and we work on our relationship with God. We seek to live holy lives, godly lives, and make every effort at that, work as hard as we can. Philippians 2 says we're called to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And this is the sanctification part of our salvation, uh, that we aspire to be more godly and more holy. It's not just here, but it's other places in the New Testament that we're, we're often encouraged to live holy lives because Jesus is coming again. So why is that? Well, 1 John chapter 2 says something interesting that, that kind of helps. He says, Now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. And, and so, what's the idea there? It's that when we finally do see Jesus face to face, the one who left the glories of heaven, came to this earth to die so that we could be forgiven of our sins and delivered from our sins, we certainly don't want to be caught embarrassed at the fact that we made a pretty feeble attempt at living the life that he bought for us with his precious blood on the cross. Someday we're going to meet the person who has saved us and who calls us uh, to live out of his death and resurrection for him. We want to be prepared for that day, God's word says. Uh, we want to be able to, to talk with him about the things that, that he's interested in. And so we do all we can to prepare to be holy and godly, to be in his word. We make every effort. So... How can we think about all of that? What I thought of, um, I'm a basketball fan, I'm an NBA fan. Let's say, um, who 
who's a big NBA player from Chicago in the history of the sport? Let's say Michael Jordan calls you up and says, hey, let's hang out. I've heard about you. I've heard you're an NBA fan. Would you like to meet? I'm going to be back in town in a month. Let's set up a time, maybe at my restaurant. So if Michael Jordan were to do that, I bet that, that we're going to prepare for that meeting so we have something to talk about, things to discuss with him, things to ask him about. Um, you know, I, I bet you'd review his whole career, look at his stats, uh, review, maybe even watch over again those playoff runs. Maybe you're going to want to review uh, those players on the Detroit Pistons in the late 80s who were like mugging him every game and blocking the Bulls' way to the playoffs. Um, and, and then finally after MJ and the Bulls broke through, you're going to want to review those six championship runs and those series from 91 to 93, 96 to 98, um, maybe you want to get up to speed on the different teammates that, that he had in those years to ask him about uh, their relationship, the role they played in coming together as a team to get to the pinnacle of, uh, of the championship. And, and maybe even you want to do a little research on those couple years that, that he played baseball to be able to ask some intelligent questions about that and, and why he did it and why he stopped. So, how much more would we want to prepare for Jesus' coming, who we certainly will meet one day, to prepare by knowing as much as we possibly can about him, from the Old Testament to the New, because this word, it's all about our Jesus. And, and so, we... Work on our walk with God so that we're not ashamed before him when he comes and we meet him. A second area, and this is our last focus for tonight, a second area of work is reaching the lost. Um, there are a number of areas that we work on in our lives, so Peter's focusing on these two that we work to be more holy, we work on our relationship with the Lord to get closer to Jesus, to prepare for meeting him. And secondly, this other big area, we work on reaching the lost. Verse 15 tells us, the Lord's patience means salvation. And that ties into a verse a little bit earlier, 9, which gives a reason for Jesus' delay. Why hasn't Jesus come yet? Well, he wants people to come to repentance. Today is the day of salvation, the day that we're living in is of God's patience, of God's mercy, not judgment yet, though that day will come when he returns. As Christians, right, I think the vibe that we often give, whether or not it's totally true, is looking at the culture and people and situations around us, we tend to view it in terms of God's judgment as we think about abortion um, people with, this, with a secular agenda, uh, pushing for new definitions of marriage, uh, tweaking uh, definition, you know, 
dual definition of gender and making it multiple options. But how are we to view our world and culture? What is our attitude to be? I think it should be seen as an opportunity for our kingdom work, an opportunity to be busy because this is the day of salvation and mercy. Today is not the day of judgment. It doesn't mean that we don't and shouldn't clearly point out evil at times, but this is not God's judgment day. And so it shouldn't be judgment day for the church and for Christians either, right? We don't want to run ahead of the Lord. And so for the church, it means that, yes, there are times we call out what is wrong and contrary to God's word. I'm not saying we don't do that, but it's not having a continually judgmental attitude. God is going to do the judgment. And for us at Faith Church, it means we're, we're preaching the truth. We're sharing the love of Jesus. We're working with all our might uh, to bring in the lost and to share God's love and mercy and his grace and this day and opportunity to repent and his patience in that time. Uh, we proclaim the good news far and wide and close by, too. And, and for that reason, um, we're, we're talking about having relationships with people first, the folks close by, that second pillar. And then when we have relationships with people who don't know the Lord, guess what? We've kind of gotten close to them, and we more have earned the right to have conversations with them about spiritual things and about what the Lord means to us. And certainly, if we have a, a relationships with folks, when they're at a point of crisis or when they have questions about the Lord, about God's Word, they'll be more likely to come to us about those questions. That's only going to happen in the context of a relationship. And, and so the Christian view of history and the world, it's unique, right? Things are not always going to continue as they are. The world as we know it will end. There will be judgment for those who don't belong to Jesus. A home, a home of righteousness, says Peter, for those who do belong to him. And all of this, this assurance that we have in our heavenly home uh, should aspire us to make every effort in our personal walk with God and every effort together and individually to share the good news in our actions and service and in our words. And, and that's God's work. For you and me today and uh, we praise him that we can do it because of a work that Jesus has already done right Jesus accepted uh, this grand work assignment from the father in eternity to save a people who would be lost in sin and the marvelous success of Jesus work is counted as your success and mine when we belong to Jesus by faith. And then he sends us his spirit and his power to do these two big tasks that Peter talks about and to help us with all our living day by day too. And, and so 
I hope that this text, I, 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 want, it, I want, want you to be encouraged tonight. And I also want us all to hear God's call for our lives as we get closer to that glorious day. It's going to come like a thief. We don't know exactly when it is, but we do know that every day that passes, we are closer to his coming, aren't we? Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, you, um, you give us uh, great comfort and encouragement and assurance uh, from your word that's all based, Father, in, in your love for us, your people. That you loved us so much that, that you decided to save us from our sin. And that your son, Jesus, took that incredible assignment upon himself and successfully completed the work that he needed to do so that we could be saved, so that we could have a relationship with you, Heavenly Father. Oh God, thank you that um, history, that our lives, time has meaning and purpose, uh, that, that we're going somewhere, that you've got a plan. And help us, oh God, to but follow that plan, uh, to listen. And as we eagerly await that day, as your children, that we would be sure that, that we are well prepared to meet our precious Savior. And that part of that preparation might be uh, making every effort uh, to be holy, making every effort uh, to uh, share the good news uh, so that many would be saved and safe in that day of your glorious return. Oh, Jesus, we pray all of this humbly in our great need, confessing our, our personal failures, our failures as a church. Um, just thankful, oh God, that, that you renew us by your grace. Um, you fill us, you forgive us, and, and you set us on your path. And, and sometimes it feels like we have to be set on your path again and be refocused from the world and our culture again and again and again. Thank you for your patience with us. And, and may your word um, make a difference in our hearts, our lives, our homes, and our church home here at Faith. In your name we pray. Amen.